0: Trader's Point, welcome. How are we doing this morning? It's good to be with you. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors around here. And to everyone at the campuses and everyone watching online, welcome. And just so you know that we are here for you, that our mission as a church is to remove unnecessary barriers that keep people from Jesus. That's why at every campus, after every service, we offer something called Growth Track. And what that is is just a tool to help you get connected around here and hopefully help you grow closer to Jesus. So if you're interested, make sure you check out Growth Track before you roll out today. But as far as today goes, we're finishing up this series that we've been in called Rumble Strip. And I just want to say off top has Aaron been killing it in this series? Or what? Anybody else agree with me on that? Unbelievable. But just to catch you up, maybe if you've missed the past few weeks or if this is your first time, let me tell you everything you need to know about Rumble Strip. Now, I think a lot of us know what they are, or whether we call them that or not, but they're those kind of raised edges on the side of the road. that, As you're driving, if you kind of drift off a little bit and your tire hits it, it kind of vibrates the whole car, letting you know, hey, get back on track, move over a little bit. And we know that rumble strips, rumble strips save lives on the road. On country roads, it reduces vehicle crashes by almost 50%. And centerline rumble strips, I just found this out, reduce accidents by 91% on urban two-lane roads, which is wild of how, of how, how, how well they work. And what we said is that rumble strips on the road aren't the, place that, aren't the only place we need them. We all need these rumble strips in our lives, these boundaries that we can put in to keep us moving in the right direction. I mean, we need them for our finances, we need them for our relationships, we need them morally, we need them spiritually, right? We need these things that we can come together on and say, oh, no, no, okay, I need to be moving in the right direction. Because the truth is, life is hard, right? Can I get an amen on that one? Life is hard, we're moving fast, things pop up out of nowhere, and we need to keep moving in the right direction. Because none of us plan on wrecking our lives, right? Right? No one woke up tomorrow, you're not going to wake up the next day and say, you know what, I think today's the day. I think today's the day I'm going to do it, I'm going to mess this whole thing up. No, we don't plan on wrecking our lives any more than we plan on wrecking our cars. The problem is, we just don't plan not to. So for today, to kick things off, we're actually going to go back. Back to the beginning. And I want you to, to go there with me and to think back to when you were first learning to drive, All right. Some of you, you might not have to go back too far. Others, it's, it's been a few days uh, since you learned how to drive in the first place. Right. But remember how like, intense it was when you first got behind the wheel. I remember uh, going to get my permit with my dad and I didn't know at the time, but his plan was to let me drive home from the BMV and we get out into the parking lot and he throws me the keys. He says, you want to drive home now up until this point, I had only driven in a cemetery, all right? And let me explain on what this is. It might sound weird, uh, but that's where my dad taught me to drive. He said I couldn't hurt nothing out there. So that's where we went. And it's just these tiny roads, sharp turns. And there I am, though, in the parking lot. And he says, you want to drive? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm nervous, though. And I get behind the wheel and I turn out into the road and I'm I'm locked in, right? Both hands on the wheel. I notice every car, every line change, and we are almost home before I almost kill us, all right? So <laughs> we go home, and I'm about to turn into the neighborhood. Turn signal goes on. Click, click, click. And I remembered from class that when you turn, you're supposed to accelerate through the turn, right? You, you turn, you press the gas. So that's what I did. And we went into this neighborhood flying we almost flipped that beautiful Chevy Astro van. Tires squealing going in, my dad's yelling, break, 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 break. I finally get this thing to stop and I look over at him, like, man, why are you hollering? Like, I'm supposed to accelerate through the turn. He's like, yeah, but you're supposed to slow down before you make the turn in the first place, which was fair, all right? And I can't sit up here and say that I remembered everything from when I was learning to drive, but I do remember something, right? And it's where your hands go, where's the recommended position is when you go to drive. And does anyone remember? Hands on the steering wheel, what is that position? Just yell it out 10 and 2. Ten and two. That is correct. Another answer could have been 9 and 3. Apparently, that's what they're teaching these days. But pipe down, all right? No one's doing that, all right? 10 and 2. <laughs> will always be how we learn to drive. But the thing is, most of us don't drive at 10 and two, right? When you leave here today, you will drive with one hand, you will drive with your wrist, you may even drive with your knees, but you won't drive at 10 and two. But do you know when you do? What, when you do drive at 10 and two, it's when something's going on and you need extra control. Like when you're driving down the road and a storm comes out of nowhere and you lose visibility, you just notice your hands just kind of shift up and they get to 10 and 2. Or maybe you're driving along a mountainside, not in Indiana, but you're traveling out of state somewhere, and you find yourself on a mountain, your hands shift up and you go to 10 and 2, and you're like, I need extra help. You ever think about like why that is, why we were taught 10 and 2? It's really because 10 and 2 gives you the most control possible, right? 10 and 2 gives you the most control possible so that when you're driving, if you need to veer left, you can go. If you need to go this way, you can go. It gives you the most control possible. And here's why that's important. Because the right position gives you the edge in emergency situations, right? The right position gives you the edge in emergency situations. So when we're coming and the storm comes crashing down, we have more control, Now, what we want to look at today is that we know that 10 and 2 on the road, that gives us the most control during emergency situations. Well, what what about life off the road? Life when we go to work, life in our family, life in our relationships. What gives us the edge in emergency situations? And the thing that we're going to see today is that thankfully, because of Jesus, we do have something. We have something that can help us along the way, every step of the way. And not in just a way to avoid crashing, but in a way that takes us through life in the best way. That we get the best views, we have the most control possible. And it's all because of Jesus. And to see what this is and what it looks like, we're going to be in a book of the Bible called Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And if you have a Bible, you can flip or scroll there. If not, don't worry, everything will be on the screen behind me. But like I said, this letter is from a guy named Paul to a young church that is starting out in in Ephesus. And what he's doing is writing to them, saying, hey, hey, here's some things to help you navigate through life. Here's some rumble strips that you can place in your life so that you can continue moving towards Jesus. And look at the way it kicks off in Ephesians. It says, this is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Now. A little bit of a nerd alert here. I just found this out when I was reading and studying this week. But this line here, this awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, this actually comes directly from one of the first Christian songs that was ever sung, that when people would get together and gather and worship Jesus, they would sing together. Sound familiar? And they would come together. And what this song is, it's it's so beautiful because it's actually a call to people who don't believe in Jesus yet. It's a call to say, hey, rise up, that there's this thing, there's this life-changing thing that can help you through life, both for now and for all of eternity. And I think a lot of us can relate to this, even if you do follow Jesus, because maybe it feels like you're asleep at the wheel right now. And maybe God's saying, arise, O sleep, and you're thinking, no, I can't. I've driven off the side of the road. I've went way past the rumble strip. God's saying, no, 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 you haven't. There's no place you can go that's, that's past where I can get you. No, rise up, bring it back. Let me give you this light and get you back on track. So what's he talking about here? What is this light? Well, this light is actually the Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God, and, and hang with me here, because what we're going to be looking at today in Ephesians, I think Paul might just do the best job possible of explaining what the Spirit of God is. And just to get us all on the same uh, starting point, another word for the Spirit of God is helper. So think of it that way. That you come to Jesus, you place your faith in him, and you say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. And then he gives us this helper. He gives us this, this, his Spirit to help us navigate through life. And it's an unbelievably beautiful thing. I mean, God has given us external kind of rumble strips. He's given us teachings of, hey, don't go over here, go over here, stick to the course. He gives us external rumble strips, but he also gives us internal rumble strips through his spirit, through this helper. It's almost like that advanced technology in some of the new cars that as you're driving and if you're, you kind of slip over into the lane beside you, this alert pops up and says, no, 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 get back over, get back over. And there it is. That is some of what the, the Spirit of God does as it helps us navigate through life. Because God loves us far too much to let us just to continue going on the way that we once did. So, as we're going through life and as the storms come and we're having a hard time with the visibility, God says, No, 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 don't, don't see that. No, I want you to see things through my lens. Here, here's my helper. As we're going through life and it seems like we get blindsided and ran off the road, instead of retaliating or instead of responding like we once did, God's spirit says, no, no, let me help you with this. Let me show you how we respond in love. Let me show you how we respond in grace. And as we're going through tough times, we need wisdom and extra help. God says, let me send you my helper. Let me send you my spirit. And if you're here today and maybe you've had one thought or another about what a Christian is, Can I tell you, this is it. This is the thing that we bank on, the spirit of God. It's not that we're a bunch of good people with a perfect driving record. It's the fact that we don't think we're driving alone. We believe that there's a good God of this universe and he was willing to die for us. And now from this moment on, it's all about him. Look at this in Galatians. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the bottom line. We come before God and we get this Holy Spirit. We get his Spirit, this helper that helps us navigate through life. And Jesus would actually go as far as to say that it is better it is better for us to have this spirit within us than even for him to be walking the earth beside us. He says, no, this is, this is incredible. That Jesus is going to give his life for us. He's going to die for, for our sins. He's going to die on our behalf. He's going to do all this. And he says, no, wait, there's more. Now I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send you this helper to navigate through life every single step of the way because I love you that much. And in Ephesians today, I believe Paul might just do the best job possible of explaining what the Spirit is, what it isn't. He has this incredible way of making the Spirit relatable, kind of taking out the the weirdness of the mystery behind it. And so take a look. Look at the way he explains it in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Look at this. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks. For everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Yeah, Scripture stands alone. We can just read it and celebrate. It is that good. So what's it like, though? What's it like to be filled with the Spirit? It's like being drunk, kind of. Not really, all right? But that is the kind of realm that he puts it in here, is comparing these two things. There's nothing that is like the Spirit of God, but there is a cheap substitute. And in these lines he says, hey, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And what's kind of funny is that actually the first time the Spirit comes, people mistake it for just a handful of people being drunk. You can read about it this week, it's actually called the Day of Pentecost. And what's going on is all of these Jews are getting together from every nation, and they all speak different languages. So as you can imagine, as these guys get up to stand up and communicate to all these different people who speak in different languages, there's a little bit of a barrier going on. And that's when everyone becomes shook. Because as these guys stand up and start talking about God, it says that they speak in tongues. And what that means is that as they speak in their native tongues, everyone out in the audience hears them in their own native tongue. And everyone is like perplexed, like taking a step back, like, this is incredible. Are you hearing what I'm hearing? It's like, no, I'm hearing what I'm hearing. And everyone is just like blown away, hearing about the goodness of God and what's all happened because of Jesus. I say everyone's excited. There's a few people in the crowd, and they start yelling, ah, uh, these guys are just drunk. That's all it is. And Peter, Peter hears this. If you know anything about Peter, you know he does not stand for disrespect, all right? So he hears these guys step up and say, hey, go home, you're drunk. And look at what Peter says. He stands up. He says, no, no, no. Listen. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. He steps up and he says, no, no, no. Hey, listen. Pay attention. One, pipe down. Don't talk again, all right? All right. Two, listen carefully. This isn't what you think. I hear you're you're saying that they could be drunk, but that's not what this is. And I love his response to why they can know that these people aren't drunk. Look what he says. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. He doesn't say, hey, these are some good guys. You, You can trust them. No, he looks at his watch and he's like, it's, come on, it's nine in the morning. If you come back later, I can't make any promises as to what's going to go down. But right now, rest assured that this is actually the spirit of God at work. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there are some things that kind of get brought together here as, as he uses these two things to paint a picture of don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. So what is he what is he talking about here? Well, when you're drunk on wine, when you're drunk on alcohol, what do they say? They say that you are under the influence, right? Under the influence. I want to make it clear. This is not about drinking in moderation. This is about being drunk. That when you drink to the place where you're influenced by alcohol, where it changes how you see reality. Like when people get drunk, they begin to see a little bit less than what's really there. The lights get low. You feel happy, oh, so happy, and you get this courage, this courage that you didn't have before, but now that you're under the influence, now this influence is whispering in your ear. That's why there's always that one drunk guy about to jump off of something, because he has this liquid courage. He is under the influence, and now he feels like he can do this thing, and I get it. I've, I've been drunk before, a few times, and I remember in college wanting to drink before I went out, getting a few drinks before I went out. Now, why would people do that? Because drinks are expensive when you go out? Sure. That's not it. It wasn't for me. For me, it was because when I was under the influence, when I had a couple drinks, it loosened me up. It gave me control that I didn't think I had before. It allowed me to say things that I couldn't say. It allowed me to walk into a room and have confidence. But can I, can I just say, Oh. can I just say that walking through life with the lights down low, walking through life with this false sense of security, it's no way to live. I actually, I can say it, but I think George Jones says it a whole lot better when he says that the bottom of a bottle's always dry. And if I could say something to everyone, but especially students, middle school, high school, college, it is no way to go through life drinking and leaning on alcohol. That's what Paul says here. He says, the bottom of every bottle is always dry. You will always be left wanting. It is a surefire way to drive over any and every rumble strip that you have placed in your life. And that's why he says, no, there's something better. Don't be drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. You see, to be filled with the Spirit is to have what people get drunk trying to get. (laughs) To be filled with the Spirit, you get real happiness, Then when you get filled with the spirit, it doesn't turn the lights down low. It actually opens them up. You see more. You don't feel less. You actually feel more. You don't have a false sense of confidence. You have the real thing. You don't have a false sense of strength. You have the real thing. And when we talk about this, about being filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what we're saying. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to live under the influence of God. And I can stand here going through both of them Knowing what it is like and knowing what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I can tell you there is no comparison to what God is offering and being filled in the Spirit. There's nothing like it. And some of you, though, that's not enough. Because you've seen too many YouTube videos of people being filled in the Spirit. And you're like, I don't know if I want to get smacked in the face. I mean, I like Harry Potter as much as the next guy, but you can't tell me that you believe in something like a spirit. And I hear you. And I think there's been a lot of things done in the name of the spirit. And if you're here today and you've been a victim of something that happened to you in the name of the spirit, whether it was manufactured, whether it was used to put you down and to raise someone else up, I just want to apologize and for you to hear, hopefully, through the message today, through God's word, that that's not the role of the Spirit. He's a helper. He's moving us along in the right direction. And can I say, what, what a move of the devil to make us think that we would need the best thing that God has ever offered us. And if you're here today and maybe you've got to that spot and the pendulum is swung and you're like, I think I can do it alone. Just give me the exterior boundaries, tell me where to go, and I think I can do it. Hear me, please don't. You don't have to. God has given this gift for me and you so that we do not have to do this alone because neglect is also abuse. Thinking that we don't need the Spirit, overlooking it, that is abuse as well. And that's why here Paul says, no, 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 don't be drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. And what it is is this incredible helper that helps us every single step of the way. It fills us up with all the things that we need to travel through this life. And we've already said that, what it does. But how do we get it, right? How do we get it? Is that when the spell comes in? Is that when the incantation comes in? Is that when I need to pull out the Ouija board to conjure up this spirit? What does it look like for me to get the Holy Spirit? And if I could just say that there's no mystery and how we get the spirit of God. God has made it overly clear. There's mystery in God. He's God, creator of a universe. He speaks things into existence. He is massive, he is huge. But how we get the spirit of God, there's no mystery. It says that what we have to do is ask. We ask and we pray and he gives. Look at, well, look at what Jesus says. It says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Maybe some of the dads in here, you could agree to that. You might do that. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give, give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We come to God. And we pray and we say, God, I want you to send me your Holy Spirit. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you died for me. Now, God, send me your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And it says that he's a good father. It says that he hears our prayers and he graciously gives us his Holy Spirit. It's unbelievable. And the main difference here Where the bottom of every bottle is always dry, the spirit is never dry. It's not ending, there's no bottom to it because the spirit is as vast as God. God says, come to me, test me. Take drink after drink after drink. You will never be thirsty, you will be quenched, you will be filled for the first time. Like this is the type of stuff that we have because of Jesus. So what's the drink? What do we need to order? What do we need to be sipping on to be filled with the Spirit? Because the fascinating thing is that the same way that you get drunk is the same way you get filled with the Spirit. Drink after drink, day after day, especially back in Paul's day. Drinks weren't what they are today. They weren't as strong as, or as potent. To get drunk, it was a job. You really had to put some effort into it. Drink after drink. And that is the same way. The tense of the words that he uses in Ephesians gives us this continual process that we're not just filled one time and we're good to go. It says, no, no, every single day we are filled. Well, what do we need to get filled? Look at this. Look at what Jesus says. He says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes, everyone say it with me, nothing And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. What's the drink? What do we need to be drinking? Every single word of God. The teachings of Jesus are the things of God. It says to to place our minds on the things that are above, of the things of the Spirit, which are the teachings of Jesus. That's why every single weekend almost we get up here and we push daily Bible reading. It's so that every morning when you wake up, you can have a drink At 5 a.m., it's coming bright and early. It'll be there ready, waiting for you. You can open it up, you can read God's word, and you can take a drink. It's why our group content is sermon-based, because our sermons are Bible-based, so that you come together as a group, you have a drink. Every morning, night, and day, we are taking drink after drink, doing everything that we can to be filled in the Spirit, being filled so that we can have the only thing that God offers which is himself, which changes everything in our lives. All we have to do is take a drink. And some of you are like, okay, I'm in. Because you know what it's like to be thirsty. You know what it's like to not have a drink, but want it. So you're thinking, what else can I do? How can I be filled with this spirit? What does that look like? How can I take drink after drink? And I'm gonna tell you. And some of you might roll your eyes, Some of you are gonna get a little bit too excited. But one of the biggest ways that the Bible says that we get filled with the Spirit, maybe it's a surprise, it's to sing. We sing. Singing is actually a marker that you're even filled with the Holy Spirit in the first place. Read it again in Ephesians. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this means that you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're filled with the Spirit, you will sing. And I can already hear you. Okay, so that's, that's the big takeaway from today. You want me to turn my life into a musical, and then I can get this Spirit of God. No, 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 I hear you, yeah. This week, I'll be Hamilton, all right? This week, we'll move through, that's what you're saying, if I do that. Kind of, all right? It's not that just that we sing, but it's what we sing is what changes everything. Oh, it's not that just we sing, it's what we sing about. It's that we sing the very teachings of Jesus. And singing is a beautiful thing. Like, we all know this. Everyone loves music. You would be hard-pressed to find something that everyone enjoys. I mean not even everyone likes tacos. Have you met these people? (laughs) There are people here probably amongst us today that don't like tacos. Not a hard taco, a soft taco, a (laughs) breakfast taco, nothing. No tacos. They don't like any of them but music. is something different. Even if you can't sing well you like music. Even if you can't dance you like music. Have you ever thought about why that is? Why music connects on a way on a completely different level, more so than anything else. It's because God has put it there as a way for us to connect with Him. This is His thing. I mean, we just went through a whole summer in the Psalms. The Psalms are a book of songs that we sing. And I just wanna pull out a few of them, look at this. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Give me another one. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. In the Bible, there are over 400 references to us singing. 50 direct commands for us to sing. God himself even joins in on the singing in Zephaniah 317. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with what? Joyful songs. Jesus, on the day, on the eve of his crucifixion, you know what he was doing? Look at this. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives before he went to die for me and you. The call is to sing. We worship a God who sings and he wants us to be like him. Worship gives the spirit access to our hearts and our lives. That's why every Sunday when we get together, we sing. Not because it sounds good, because we gather together to take drinks together, to be filled with the spirit. In the lyrics we sing. They're taken straight from the Bible, from the teachings of Jesus. I mean, if you remember the the, the way we kicked off today by reading that scripture from one of the first songs, Awake, O Sleeper, Rise Up from the Dead, and Christ will give you light. We pretty much sang this same song today. Instead of Awake, O Sleeper, Rise from the Dead, we said Up from the Grave, He is with us now. 2,000 years later, on a different side of the planet, we are joining in on an ancient practice, joining in on singing the same songs that the world has been singing since Jesus collided with it. And it's never been the same. And now me and you, we get a chance to come together and we sing and we drink and we sing. Can I ask you, when was the last time you took a drink? Maybe you sat through the whole first worship set and you were distracted, or something was stopping you from singing, you couldn't even mouth the words out loud, what is it? What are you under the influence of? Alcohol is just one of many things that we can place ourselves under. There's all kinds of things, job, family, relationships. There's so many things that are fighting for us. That we fight for ourselves. Like, no, I can do this on my own, on my own strength. And God saying, no, no, no. Live under my influence, because here's the truth. We will naturally reflect what we are influenced by. We will naturally reflect what we are influenced by. You know when someone's drunk. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the way that they speak, how they carry themselves, because you naturally reflect what you are influenced by. So, church, can we all come together and say we are going to be influenced by Jesus? We are going to be influenced by the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going to show you what that looks like. When we are filled with the Spirit, we reflect what? Love, love that the world has never seen, joy that can't be stolen, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness to stay the course, gentleness, and what? Self-control. How do we move through life and have control in emergency situations? It's when we are filled with the Spirit. That's when we know that we are being influenced by God. And what we're about to have now is just a moment to worship. In worship, it is more than singing, but it is not less than. And we come together when we raise our voices, we raise these cups and we take drinks together. And the words we sing, they come straight from the mouth of Jesus. The song we're about to go back into, the title of it is, It Is Finished. These are the words that Jesus said as he hung on a cross dying for me and you. He said, it is finished. Dying to pay the penalty for our sins. Dying so that we could have access to him so that we could have this helper. So if you would, if I could just ask you, would everyone in the room, everyone at all of our campuses just stand with us? Stand with us in this moment of worship. This moment for us to come together and to sing, it is finished. And I just wanna set us up for this moment to see how powerful these lyrics are, why they are filled with the Spirit. So take a look at this, look at these. Strongholds bowing to the Savior. Resurrection power, strongholds. This is any and everything that has ever influenced me and you. This is any and everything that we've ever leaned on that said this is what we need to be all right. It says no. Next to Jesus, all of those things bow down. Next to Jesus, there's no comparison. Next to the resurrection power, all of those things bow down in front of him so that you can worship. This is a moment where you can worship freely. Nothing tying you down. Look next. Mercy one, I'm forgiven. That because of Jesus and what he did for me and all of us, we are forgiven. And what's the response? Sing, sing his name. He is worthy of our praise. Jesus. So we come together and we're gonna sing. And we're gonna sing, It Is Finished, and we are gonna be filled with the Spirit. And if you're here today and you wanna know, for followers of Jesus, what it looks like to get our hands at 10 and two, here it is. This is 10 and two. This is the spot we come to where we have the most control. It's when we come to the end of ourselves When we say, God, fill us, because when we come to God asking him to fill us, we're asking to be emptied of everything else. To be emptied of everything else that is influencing and say, no, 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 God, we want to reflect you. And we come together and we sing, it is finished. Some of us right now are in an emergency situation and you feel like you're white knuckling that steering wheel, got your hands at 10 and 2 as you thought they should be trying to control, trying to maneuver left and right, but you just keep sailing off the road. You can't seem to get control. God says, because your hands are in the wrong spot. Bring them up. Bring them to 10 and 2. This is the spot where we get filled, where our minds are set on the things of above, and God sends us his spirit. So if I could just ask you right now, in a moment of vulnerability, in a moment of wanting to be filled with the spirit, would you raise your hands? If you're here for the first time, This is new to you. You can raise your hands in this moment. God is a good Father who gives good gifts. His Spirit comes in this moment. And what we are going to do in this moment, we are going to sing. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And we're going to sing, It Is Finished. And we sing that with confidence because we know that Jesus died for us. And if he died for us, why would he leave us now? No, he's riding shotgun. He's with us every step of the way. He's moving us in the right direction. He's pointing out the pitfalls and the potholes and keeping us moving. Saying, no, this is the way you need to go. And our hands are up. Pray with me and then we're gonna sing together. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. Hands open. God, let this be a symbol that we're open to your spirit, that we want you to fill us. God, if there's anything that's influencing any of us, anything that has taken your shine, taken away your light, God, we pray that those strongholds would bow in front of your name. That God, as we lift our hands, as we worship you, God, let you fill us. Let your spirit come in here. Let you influence us, not just today, but every day, we would never be the same. Let us reflect love, let us reflect joy, let us reflect patience. God, meet us in our moment of emergency. God, in your spirit, we find control. In your spirit, we find all the things that we long for. In your spirit, we sing, it is finished. It is finished, it is finished. We love you, Jesus, amen.